as we uh, start a brand new sermon series this morning here at Family Bible Church. And so Dale kind of, this is all going to kind of come uh, together in a way, uh, you know, as God would have it, but Dale kind of talked about this month being the month of gratitude. And so I thought we'd do something a little different this morning. We would start off, uh, I don't know, in a little conversation together. And I want to know this, what are you thankful for? As you said here today, what are you thankful for? For what? Trials. Trials. I think he said straws. Both are good. Yes. <laughs> Trials, harder, except for the little bitty straws. Those are really annoying. What are you thankful for? Anyone else? Family. Family. Yeah. That's Olivia. Animals. Yeah. Amen. Mountains. mountains. Yes. Some of us are excited about mountains. A beautiful day. A beautiful day. Yes. What is going on? So it seems, someone the other day said it was like spring. They're like, this feels like spring. Wonderful uh, November days. Some of you love the falling leaves. Some of you don't love the falling leaves. <laughs> but we can thank God. So the hard things that made you who you are, you're thankful for those things. Yeah, amen. Am I? Health. Health. Woo. Yeah. Friends. Friends. Yeah, amen. One. What was that? Every day of life. Yes, Mr. Ruby. His provisions. Yeah. And every day of life and health and friends. <laughs> yeah. Any? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Jesus. Finally, somebody said the right answer. Now I can preach. <laughs> it was always a running joke when I was a high school, Sunday school teacher. They always say, I know the right answer is Jesus, but I want to say something else. It's like, you can say something else. That's totally allowed. But... Awesome. Well, there's so much to be thankful for, and thank you for all those you shared. And I know for those who didn't, you're like, there's a. Li Some of you gave me it look like we don't have time for this. I, I get it, I get it, and yet I wonder how much of our our lives we spend um, being thankful. So, with that in mind, I'm, I'm going to ask. What we do what we always do. We're going to uh, thank God that we're together, and then we're going to ask Him, uh, thank Him for scriptures, and ask Him to teach us from them today. So, pray with me if you would, Father God. We do thank you so much for your presence. Uh, with us today, the songs that we get to sing to you that remind us of the rich theology that your scriptures uh, hold, that your Holy Spirit teaches to us, and that your son came to demonstrate uh, and then to die for us that we might be included in your kingdom work. We give you thanks for all those things today. And Father, as we um, open your word, I pray that you would um, help us to see the things that we need to see, that we would grow in the ways that we are being called to grow, and that ultimately we will um, learn to thank you all the time in everything. Help us to do this, Father. And I ask it in a serious way because it can sound so trivial, and yet the living of it is often so difficult. So help us, Father, to be thankful in everything. We pray you would do this in your kindness to us and in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, so that was a, that was a great list of thankfulness. 
um, a little bit of uh, backstory. And if I've told this story before, I apologize. I've been here for a while, right? But I, I was thinking because t- today the title, can we fire that title slide? Oh, there's, we got, thank you, Drew. Um, has these fancy thing marking word. That's a word in the middle of the, the circle. Um, the bottom ones, uh, living a thank-filled life are pretty clear. But the, the, the top, I'm sorry, it's Greek, okay? It's Greek. But I wanted to share it with you because I typed it in English, and it didn't quite capture the beauty of, and that's actually probably not exactly, but it's, you know, it's Greek. It is Greek. Um, of this word, eucristo, uh, eucristeo, is what that says, eucristeo. I know it's, it's E-U, Christ, you know, C-H-A-P-R-I-S-T-E-O. That's how that reads, okay? Christeo. Anyway, you don't got no Greek to know this, but... I think about this, and, and that's, the, that's what we're going to get into today. We're going to talk about, and then this whole series, this idea of eucharisteo, this, this life that we're called to live of, the word is thankfulness. Now, ignore the Greek, it's fine, but thankfulness, that's what we're trying to get to, you know? Um, the reason I love that, though, is I don't know if you're like me, and you, you, I don't know if you've had a spiritual journey that's been like this, like, you know, like true north, you're just going all the time. Or maybe you're like me, and you've been on this, like, this kind of a path, you know, like, woo! You know, and then it goes in three dimensions, and you're just kind of walking along and all that. But what, when, I, when I learned the Greek on thankfulness, I can't help but think of a word that maybe many of you know quite well called Eucharist, right? Eucharist. And um, I was raised Roman Catholic. Most of you know that already. And, uh, and not only was I raised Roman Catholic, but other than sleeping in church, which, you know, is a, is a pastime for most of us, right? Sleeping in church. Uh, um, I actually... Uh, got to serve. I volunteered to serve when I was a little kid, right? And, um, and it was great for me because I didn't have to sit still for an hour anymore. <laughs> I could do stuff during the service. And so that was super fun. And I'm almost positive. I told you a story before, but I can't help but remember it with fondness and gratitude um, because I served with my cousin. And we were like brothers more than cousins, you know? Like if we were in this room right now, we'd be getting talked to in the quiet parental tone loudly, you know, like, listen, if I have to take you out of here, uh, because, and it would be awkward, um, because there was lots going on in our eight, nine-year-old brains, and, it, and very little of it had to do with what we were supposed to be doing in that moment, and so my grandma said, have you ever thought about being an altar boy to me, my cousin? And uh, now, uh, my cousin, he would acknowledge me saying this, it, it, we were miscreants, you know what I mean? We were, we were we, our p- folks, all oh, they're good boys, uh-huh, yeah, watch, right? We were always in the trouble, and, uh, but we both agreed to do it together, because we could do this together, just like we did everything else together, and so we were doing that. And uh, we got a new priest to our parish. Um, we had been trained as altar boys. We're pretty good at it. Uh, I think, you know, whatever. We hit the mark. We did the thing. You know, we, we, we could do it almost without, you know. Um, but, and I know I've told you this before, but I have to share. Uh, the, the, the new priest came and brought back an old tradition. And the old tradition was <clears throat> that when you raise the Eucharist in worship, you maybe you've seen this, in mass, they call it mass, right? That, that, that there would be bells, you know, now I know churches have bells like big bells, but that's you know that's a lot to do coordinate during this moment. And so instead, they put these four little bells in this golden rack next to the places that we knelt down while the priest was doing the priesty things over here. And uh, and they said, um, boys, there's a new thing today. It's these bells, and you should ring them when we offer the Eucharist. And we go, okay, it's a new thing. That's exciting, right? So we get down. 
And um, we, we start to argue about who gets to do the bells because it's a new thing. And, we both, and whoever you, you're on that side, you walk in that way. Now you're stuck with the bells or no bells. The whole time you're not doing the bells. You're like, I want to do the bells. It's like that. I'm just telling you it's like that. It's, and so we're always jockeying for position. And we're arguing, okay, next Sunday I get to do the bells. Well, it was not me but my cousin who realized that once the priest held his hands up, if you rang the bells, he wouldn't put his hands down until you stopped ringing the bells. He discovered this. And afterwards, he said, dude, guess what? He will not. And I go, no. And I'm telling you, we're miscreants, but, you know. So next time, I rang him, and I was like, <laughs> like that, you know. Well, these are like weeks, right? Then the third week, and we are faithful altar boys. We're doing our work. My cousin's like, I'm not going to stop ringing the bells. <laughs> That's what he said, you know, because we were worshiping Jesus, people. We were worshiping Jesus together like many of you do. And so we were there, and my cousin, and we're, I'm over, I got the giggles, man, because I'm on the other side away from the bells. I'm like, this is going to be a catastrophe. And, 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 and we're laughing, right? But this is not making fun. I promise you, I'll talk about why. It's not making fun of what's happening in the mass. But in the moment, sure enough, here goes, and my cousin Ray, he's like, Why? and it's also about how loud you can ring the bells as well, how loudly you could shake it and ring it. And I mean, it, sound, it went from this angelic kind of bling, that's what they wanted it to be, you know, uh, to this like bling, to this like, and, 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 and the priest is this way facing you all, right? And my cousin's over here ringing the bells, and I'm over here giggling my pants off. I can't get myself... And, and he starts doing this, you know, like a priestly stink eye. That's what I think. I, I'm not sure in that holy moment, whew, the priest was thanking God for our service <laughs> or for altar boys at all. Um, I know I told you that before because I remember uh, next Sunday we argued who got to ring the bells and the bells were gone never to return to our small parish we had ruined it for everyone what a shame but i want i'm not making fun of that because what is one of the things that's happening in that mass is what's called uh well i'll call it eucharistic adoration it's a moment of elevation and of thanking God and saying, this is the reason we're here. Now, there are theological differences with Roman Catholics, and, and that's fine, but that's, this is not a point of division, that Jesus Christ, that his sacrifice on the cross, that, that, the, um, that his body broken for us and his blood poured out for us is a shared value of all the church, even though we were being children, missing it. That this was adoration of thanksgiving. Indeed, the word in Greek is eucharisteo, giving thanks to God. And so we, we think about what we do here and what we come together and we worship together. And while we don't have that moment, we don't, you know, aren't using the same articulation of the gospel, I would say, this is a right response to elevate, to remember, to uh, adore Jesus. And so uh, with all these things in mind, then I want to say, well, that's kind of some of the basis for this, um, this series. Now, I'm, we're going to actually just look at three verses in this series and talk about them uh, very practically and um, uh, thoroughly, I would say. So I'm going to ask you to turn, if you would, to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. And this is what the word says. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We, we've all heard that. As a matter of fact, mostly when we hear that, we might hear it including 16 and 17, which says, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But as I was looking at the Greek, that last sentence stands alone. It actually reads like, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Now listen, toward you. It's a little different than the way we just read that, right? Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It sounds almost like an afterthought, but I love that. And we're going to talk about then these three ways that this verse ought to shape our life. The first is this, that we should give thanks that we should give thanks, that it should be part of what we automatically do. The word here, um, the eucristeo word, is actually um, a verb in this passage, and actually it's a verb almost all the times it appears in Scripture. It only appears one time as an adjective descripting something else, right, a thankful person. Every other time it's give thanks, give thanks, Give thanks. It always appears this way. Uh, giving thanks is an action. It's something that we actually do. It's something that we ought to actually do. As a matter of fact, in some ways, giving thanks, like any action, is a decision to be made. Will I be thankful? Your brain says, yes. Okay? Now I will do it. <laughs> I'm going to actually give thanks. You, Christeo, right? Um, getting more into this, right? What does the word mean? The, the word to give thanks means good grace, right? That's where the Greek two words come together, good grace. And as a matter of fact, this is, if you're an astute uh, follower of Jesus or, or an astute biblical scholar, you'll know, this is where we get the idea before we eat a meal, we often say what? Grace. Yeah. Eucristeo. That's what we're doing there. Eucristeo. We're, we're giving God thanks for the food. Now, many times in, in our household, we kind of develop our own grace prayer, but many times that prayer morphs into something else besides giving thanks. And many times, I don't know if your grace is like ours, it turns into a petition session <laughs> for all the things that we, we need help with right now. And I don't think God's mad at us for going, what are you doing here? But the primary uh, opportunity at, at the breaking of bread is to give thanks to God for all he has already done let alone what he might do, let alone what we might want him to do. And so we have this idea of saying grace before we eat, of thanking God for everything that he has provided in this life. Um, I was looking at the um, study of this word, and I thought this was great, and I wanted to just quote it exactly. It says this, giving grace, or, or uh, Eucharisteoing, is Acknowledging that God's grace works well for our eternal gain and for his glory, and I would say simultaneously, right? Being thankful for his charity. 
Because the word in the Hebrew, or in the Hebrew, in the Greek, the word is uh, charis, and it's grace. That's where we get the word charity from. It's God's unmerited favor. And we're saying thank you for unmerited favor, for things that we don't deserve. And so we do that rightfully as his children when we acknowledge his work in our lives. And I would even add one more thing, acknowledging God's grace works well for our good. I think that's where the problem comes sometimes with giving thanks in hard times. And by the way, a couple of you said, hey, I thank God for hard times. That's the step of maturity. And I'm only saying it because I'm not always there. (laughs) Because I often think, how can this be good? God, what is good about this? And yet, in this uh, definition, It says, God's grace works well, I would say, for our good, for our eternal gain, and for his glory, all at the same time. This is why we're to be a thankful people. So looking then at 5.18, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. But before we move to that second part, though, one more thing about the give thanks. This isn't like, okay, this is a command, the scripture is rightly translated, give thanks, as a statement. Um, not like, if you feel like it, if you think it's a good idea, if you can muster it. But in the Greek, the language actually has the imperative associated to it, which means you should do this. If not a command like do it, like if you're not, it would be good for you to do this. It would be good, a good response to your situation to give Thanks. It's a command, imperative mood. And in the first Thessalonians, I'm like, well, a command to who? That's a fair question to ask. Well, who's God commanding to give thanks like this? Well, if you go back to the beginning of the letter in, in chapter 1, verse 1, it says the church. It says the church of Thessalonica in God. That's what it says. Those who claim to belong to him, who claim to believe the good news, those are the people who are commanded to give thanks. I wonder, um, now, we've, we've, we've done great today giving thanks, but do you consider yourself overall a thankful person? Do you consider yourself to be a thank-filled person? I'll tell myself a little bit here, right, because I said yes, because I was writing the sermon. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm a thankful person. yes. And then as I started to write the next line, then my wife's voice came into my head who said, you don't appreciate any of this, do you? And I'm like, yes, I do. Somewhere deep in my soul, I appreciate it, Chris. But how often does that come out? Am I a thank-filled person? Oh, I don't know. I want to say yes. Do I do it? Do I show appreciation? I remember, um, this is crazy. That's what I said this week. Um, Tuesday was a holiday, right? Tuesday. Tuesday was All Saints Day, a holiday. I'm just picking on you. And this one's it. Monday was a holiday, right? <laughs> what was Monday? Halloween, yeah. And uh, how many of you participated in Halloween? Like three of you, good, good. Everyone else had their lights off. Don't come to my house, go away. 
No, I'm kidding. Halloween is so uh, such a fun holiday. Carrie Adolph, a dear friend of ours, she says it's her favorite holiday on the calendar because it's the only one that's communal in nature, meaning it's not about her and her family and pulling in the shades, and, but it's about going to the community and celebrating something. Now, you might say, well, Bill, it's celebrating something else, but listen, it's called All Hallows Eve, All Holy Eve. It's the Eve before All Holy Day. I don't know. That's where there's some history there for you. So it's actually, I know it's gotten crazy, but it's actually rooted in holiness. And I love my friends who redeem the day by celebrating their faith and participating with the community. Okay, fair enough. And if you don't, hey, nobody's mad. That's fine. I get it too. But get this. So we're out on Halloween, All Hallows Eve, with my uh, grandson, who's around here somewhere. You saw him, right? And... Um, I know this, I'm not biased in any way, but he was the most adorable child that's ever lived for Halloween. I know, I know, but I can get at least like five people to back me up on this, so I'm pretty sure we're right. Um, but he was running around, and, and uh, he, he was overwhelmed and kind of distracted from doing the job, which is getting candy, right? Um, and he would walk up to doors, and he would just stare at people. Um, by the way, a negotiating tactic from Nico, just stare and they'll give you more stuff. Worked pretty well for him. Oh, you want more? Do <laughs> you want to pet the cat? <laughs> it was just, are you going to leave at some point? <laughs> he was so funny. But he started to figure out that it was about getting candy. And so he did what any self-respecting two-year-old would do. He went up to the door. When they opened it, he would say, can I have candy? <laughs> See, he knows, he knows what his holiday is about. And then some, no, you have to say trick-or-treat. And sometimes he's around the kids, and, and they would say trick-or-treat, and he'd be like, and he'd get candy. He's like, okay. The last house of the night, um, he said trick-or-treat. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, say, can I have candy? That's a better question. <laughs> um, but you know what else I heard? What do you say? Oh, not from my kids, but from other parents in the crowd as well. Tommy, Susie, what do you say? And what do they say? Thank you. Yeah. Not all the kids said it. <laughs> all the, a lot of kids said, next. <laughs> we're at, there's there's, there's a, a thing that we're training to say thank you, to be gracious, to be eucharisteoing, uh, to, to live a life of thanksgiving. By the way, that's a trick question. Sometimes parents say, what do you say? And you're like, please? <laughs> um, what's the other ones? Thank you. Um, I'm sorry. Those are things you're commanded to say, aren't they? So we see that in regular life, right? Even in something as simple as kids getting candy on Halloween, have you said thank you? And as a matter of fact, one of my greatest delights is whenever a kid has already said thank you and they said it so sweetly and so softly, the parent didn't hear it and they said, what do you say? And I'm like, they already said it. They already said it. Praise God. They already said it. You're, in a, you're um, developing your children an attitude of thankfulness. Praise God. So it's an act of command here, right, that we ought to give thanks. And, and then, or it's a, a command, but it's also an act of command. So this is the last thing on this is this. The, the way the Greek could be translated, and it says give thanks. That's fair, but it could be translated giving thanks always. A state of being a thankfulness 
predisposition. That also comes from the, the Greek language where it's not just a command, but it's a perpetual command. It's called the active command. And so it's present, meaning right now, active, perpetually, and imperative, you ought to do it. A command that we are to follow and follow continually. Give thanks. Yeah, okay, we got that. Then what? In all circumstances, in all circumstances, and we've already talked about this, the, the word circumstances isn't actually found in some translations, but it's found in a lot of majority, and it's implied from the text, because what the text says is give thanks in all. Give thanks is the command, all. Well, what does that mean? It means any, it means every, it means all, and it means for the whole. All those things at once were to give thanks. In every situation, in all situations, no matter what's going on, we ought to give uh, thanks. It's translated here as circumstances because we find ourselves as humans in these conditions and these states. And Paul is encouraging the church in Thessalonica to be always thankful, no matter what they're going through. And indeed for us uh, to give thanks in every thing. So again, a question for us. Do we find ourselves giving thanks in everything? In everything. I'll sh share something with you. Uh, well, two things. Um, I told you this, but recently I had, a, I had a situation in my life that came up that just caught me unaware. And it was bad. And I was shocked. And I was like, what is going on in my life that something like this is in me? But as quick as I was shocked and pulled back, and this is why I practice what I preach, church, is that the moment that I saw that and I was overwhelmed and I was sad and discouraged, immediately, the, I believe the Spirit of God began to encourage me to thank God that I saw it. Thank God that he showed it to me. Um, that is to say that I've told you before that like these kind of warning signs are like lights on your dash, you can ignore it or you can go, hey, God, thanks. I don't know. I know something's wrong. That shouldn't be that way. And we can thank God even for the things that we didn't know was in us because he has revealed them to us. Here's another thing we can be thankful for. When we get new information, a new situation, a new revelation, and I don't mean like a revelation like God's going to tell you what's coming. I'll be reading the book of Jeremiah. Man, being a prophet of God is scary right? We always like, oh, I want God to hear. I'm not so sure if you read the prophets in the Old Testament, hearing from God is a scary uh, situation. But I mean, even simple things like things are changing at work. It makes us uncertain. Can we thank God for the information? That person doesn't like you. Can we thank God for information? This isn't going the way you had hoped. Can we thank God for that situation? All these things ought to be seen as revelations from God. I'll add one more thing on this that's very near my heart is as a parent, I really struggle with this as a parent because it's like when you, when you come to know things, what should you do about it? Like should you act or not act or how should you respond or what should your response be and all that. And it's a, it's a struggle. If, you're, if you love your children, it's a hard thing to figure out. But one of the things I learned maybe later in life is this. The first thing we should do is thank God that you know. Think. Someone said ignorance is bliss, and it's like, no, it isn't. Ignorance is ignorance. <laughs> Hearing from God and knowing some things at least gives you a chance to talk to him about it. God, what should I do? What should I not do? How should I respond? And if anything, it will push us then into a deeper relationship with God himself. 
God loves us more than we can imagine, and he loves others more than we ever could. And so we can thank God for those things. Or how about hard things you never dreamed you would face in this life? In your wildest dreams, you could have made it up. Do we thank God for those things? I'm hesitating here for a moment, but I just want to share a, a brief something. So this morning we got up. We had, we were, had a day plan. We were doing a thing. And we got news this morning that caused my wife to have to leave and go to be with her mom because things are not good. And so all the running around and the plans for the day and everything, we're, we're still going to press forward, but it's like, what do you do? And the first thing that I heard my, this message, you're going to thank God. God, I thank you. Because although we did not know what the day held, you do. I mentioned that gently because I just appreciate your prayers for Chris. She's doing fine. Everything's fine. But just pray for her as she takes this journey that she did not know she would take today and be with her and her mom and what's going on there. So these things can come up like that, out of the blue. Are we thankful? And are we quickening in our thankfulness? We often thank God for the good things, and we ought to. Nothing wrong with that. The blessed circumstances. But what about the harder ones? Can we be thankful? Too often, I feel like as Christians, we have to apologize to each other for not being perfect or things not going perfectly. We ought not have to apologize for that. But we can thank God for it together. We can appreciate it, we can share it, and then live our real lives with Jesus. This is what the call to give thanks, Eucharisto, is. The command is like this. Give thanks in each thing that you face. Give thanks in everything that you face. Give thanks in all things that you face. That's the command. The totality of your life, whatever has come of it, to live a life of gratitude. And maybe perhaps the most difficult of all those is when we don't even understand. God, I don't even understand. But I'm going to thank you for the things that I don't understand or don't yet understand. Or maybe I never will understand. That's a life of gratitude, a life of thankfulness, a thank-filled life. So that, that's it then, right? Give thanks in all circumstances. No, one final part. Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And this is really wild, right? But I would say it like this. God has saved us to be a thank-filled people. I'm gonna get that from the text, but look at this. The per part of the purpose in what he is doing in salvation is to cause us to give thanks, the word um, is God's will is uh, thelema in the Greek, and it means his wish, God's desire, God's determination, God's choice for you, God's inclination for you is that you would be a thank-filled person. That's what it implies there. So I don't know if you're like me, but have you ever wondered, like, what's God's will for my life? <laughs> like, I talk to people all the time. We were at an event Thursday night, and somebody said, I just don't know what God's will for my life is. You know, and he's like, can we grab coffee and talk about I'm like, sure. I'm not sure I'm going to help you answer this question, but I'd love to grab coffee and talk. And then I read it. Oh, oh here it is, to give thanks in everything. Now, I'm not saying that's a totality, of, but it, that's part of God's will for all of us in our lives. It says it right there in the text. For this is God's will for you church for those who are believing this is what God desires for us and from us his sovereign choice over us 
that he would like to see manifest. Giving thanks uh, is God's will, God's wish for us in Christ Jesus, right? So let's talk about that for a minute. When we consider the cross of Jesus Christ, when we ponder the gift of Jesus in his birth, that's coming up at Christmas, right? In his uh, life among his disciples, in his death on a cross, in his resurrection from the grave, in his ascension into heaven, and in his sure return to save his people, it ought to well up in us, it ought to foster in us an, a, a, a gratitude and um, a predisposition toward uh, Eucharisteo, more than we deserve. A blessing that the scriptures say generations longed to see. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, in Jesus the Messiah. If, if I would say this, if, they don't, if those things don't swell in us, a deep sense of gratitude, we ought to examine that. Why? Why do we take it for granted? One of my favorite um, stolen sayings that I use all the time now is people say, how are you? Especially in business context, how are you? My favorite response, I stole this from Dave Ramsey. He says, better than I deserve. When he first said it, I'm like, that's cheeky. Why do you say better than I deserve? But then you start thinking about it. That's better than I deserve. Like whatever it is. Some people say this, I'm still sucking wind. That's what they tell me. I go, amen, me too. Praise God. Do you see how those things link? Amen, me too, praise God. Thank God. Even in a, a, a business context, that conversation can be had easily, easily amongst God's people. An attitude, an orientation toward uh, grace that we thank God for the things that we do not deserve. I alluded to this earlier, and we'll wrap. We're gonna talk about one more text. We'll wrap here. So uh, you, you, you say with me, uh, yes, I'm a thank-filled person. Yes, I, re I really appreciate it deep down inside somewhere. <laughs> but would others around you say, boy, that's a thank-filled person. Do, do we live a thank-filled life? And it's not to make you feel bad at all, because if you're like me, that kind of brings conviction, but it's encouragement or exhortation to live thankfully. So in closing, I want to jump through a few biblical uh, models. I said this is the, the word eucharisteo is mentioned 38 times in the scriptures. All in the New Testament, of course, is Greek, but... Um, of those times, let's see some of the times that it's mentioned. First, with Jesus. Jesus gives God thanks with the loaves and the fish. Or loaves and fishes, that's how you say it. So Jesus receives this kind of paltry offering. It's, it's not a lot. It's something, though. In the moment of not a lot, something, though, Jesus takes the moment to eucharisteo God for this paltry offering. And then we know what happens. I know it's a miracle. A miracle follows thankfulness. How about this? A Samaritan who's a leper is miraculously healed by Jesus. I actually want to um, read this quickly. 1711, you'll turn to hear the story. Now, as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. 
And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And they went, and as they went, they were cleansed. We can relate to this, right? Social distancing, Jesus saved me. He says, go show yourselves to the priests. On the way, they're healed, 15. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at the feet of Jesus, and he Eucharisteoed Jesus. And that man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten men cleansed? Then where are the other nine? No one, not one of them was found to return and give praise to God except for this one who is a foreigner. Then Jesus looked at him and said, rise up and go. Your faith has made you well. There are some biblical statistics. One in ten are thanking God. And Jesus is surprised. Surprised. Other than the Samaritan who comes back to Jesus and says thanks. And I know you read this where you're like, I would go back to Jesus and say thanks. Yeah, you would, right? <laughs> One in ten did. Paul, when he's on a ship, he's sailing at the end of Acts. And right before a shipwreck, he says, let's thank God. And he breaks bread, he Christos, and then they have a shipwreck after that. Uh, just before he enters into two years of house arrest, right before he's going to Rome on his sentence to be imprisoned, Paul's Eucharistos, when he sees the brothers and sisters in the faith celebrating his arrival in Rome finally, even though it's under guard, in chains. By the way, you can't read, that's Acts 28. You can't read that passage of Acts 28 and not see that Paul sees in that God's sovereign choice to preserve him and he shares the gospel the entire two years he's incarcerated. Whew. Jesus, perhaps most famously, at the Last Supper, what's the word say? This is that moment when he was betrayed. He took bread, broke it, and gave thanks. Jesus, the Last Supper. This is after that he took a cup, and again, he gave thanks. This is a new cup of my blood made for a new promise to God's people. Don't forget me. This is Eucharisteo, thankfulness. That's found in all the Gospels and 1 Corinthians 11. And then lastly, at the very end of the book, <laughs> by the way, I've only told you like four, five or six of these. The other 38 are all in the letters. It's all throughout the letters that Paul writes. Eucharisteo, Eucharisteo, Eucharisteo. But in the book of Revelation, chapter 11, it says, that at the sounding of the seventh trumpet in Revelation, when the 24 elders who are sitting in their thrones around the king fall at his feet in reverence and they eucharisteo him. They thank him. Why would I share that? Because in Jesus' life, in the life of those he heals, in the life of those who, who even in the middle of adversity give thanks to God for eternity. There's this 
thanksgiving uh, opportunity that even the elders on their thrones fall on their face and you Christeo, the living king, the living God. What do they say? The one who is able to overcome all these things. So I wonder, what are you thankful for? What could you choose to be thankful for today? Maybe what have you not been thankful for so far? That you can just in obedience say, God, I thank you for that. Another question, do we appreciate the totality of Christ Jesus? Do we spend time thinking of all he is, of all he brings? And then do we actually show our life, do we show it in our life that we thank God? Pray with me if you would. Father God, we thank you so much for the chance to uh, understand from your scriptures these things that seem like basic truths and yet, Father, often are so difficult to live out. This life, and I, I believe that you understand this more than any of us could ever imagine, this life is difficult at times, and we face uncertain days. And yet in the middle of those things, Father, we say thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for these hardships. For my brothers and sisters who have grown in maturity, to thank you for things that the world would say, why would you thank God for that? That, that, that that would be a good witness to one another and to the world, that we have much to be thankful for. And then, Father, for uh, the grace you've given us in Christ, I pray a prayer of your invasive Holy Spirit's power that if there are areas of our life that you have not yet uh, gotten into to pry out the Eucharisteo, the thanksgiving that is due to you, that we would allow you to work, we would work with you in those areas, that your Holy Spirit would transform those things from areas of shame, fear, of uncertainty, into areas of thanksgiving, because you are good, and you're working out your good among us for your glory. Do that work, Father as only you can. We give you praise and thanks for everyone and everything.